0: the highest performing people that they are living it all the way. They feel they own and they care for each other and successes, dreams, and, and very, very important failures. And, And this is where belonging is for people because they do it for somebody and that somebody does it for them. And so that's when belonging is actual. It's real at that point, as as opposed to a sense.
1: Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders tend to shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. As always, I am your host, Jeff Ma, and I want to have conversations and hear stories with real people about real-world businesses and real-world situations. And my guest today is Paul Howry, who is an executive coach that specializes in belonging. Through what he calls heart-based leading, Paul gets people to experience belonging in self-belonging in their own brilliance and within their company tribes to really live and perform better than they ever imagined. In his most recent endeavors, he served as a VP of people and culture and as a professional coach specializing in belonging and optimal performance for individuals and companies. He's joining today to share about how people perform at their highest when they belong and believe in shared purpose together and where people fear less and aspire more. And I love that so much. Welcome to the show,
0: Paul, how are you? Oh, I am fantastic. And uh, I am so thankful to be here. This is going to be one wonderful time.
1: Yes, absolutely. And man, what a topic. I mean, belonging is something that's uh, it's in the title of our book. Um, It's in something that we talk about all the time, but we rarely have kind of narrowed it down to just this word. And I know it's not just this word. Um, So I'm really excited to dive into that with you. And before we begin, Paul, if you don't mind, I'd also I'd like to start with with you as as a person first and kind of where does where does your passion lie and and what brought you to it today
0: Oof, man I mean I could go all the way back possibly to five years old when I (laughs) because this is the way my mom tells the story by the way Um, there's a birthday party it's my birthday at the house there's 10 kids and I'm not there and if Apparently, what happened, and I kind of remember this, is one friend couldn't make it for some reason, got in trouble, and so I left my birthday party because they were left out. And I was, we were at his house using uh, his mom's good pie plates and making mud pies um, out in the in the front yard. So I, I kind of had this thing that about we should be having fun and and really being in life. But professionally, my first systemic look at it was as a um in a very conscious level was as a high school teacher. I taught at my old high school. I'm actually like a Welcome Back Cotter if you're old enough to remember the show, Welcome Back Cotter. Um, I taught at my old high school. Nice. And I went to Seattle Pacific University uh it's the it was the best school to get your teaching credentials from if you got it there you could teach anywhere in the u.s and they would love you so i had a full year of lesson plans already pre-written and ready to go and as i started the year and then it's a tough it's a tough area of of the seattle it's white center it's um really it's a lower lower socioeconomic it, it actually had the uh highest percentage of uh, free and reduced lunch in the whole northwest Hmm. which I thought was crazy, but that's what it was. That's where I grew up. But I went in and it was almost this immediate aspect. It didn't matter how detailed, how good, I had preset all of the lesson plans. I mean, they were technically, they covered them, they broke down the learnings. They were all, they had high active race, plus cognitive aspects and so on. But I sat there in the first day with them going, if they don't know and that's a feel no not just an intellectual no if they didn't know that I loved them and that this was their place where, where they were, and I'll use the term they belonged then it didn't matter how good the lesson plans were and then to the opposite was the belief that I it just kind of dawned on me as I'm working with the kids that if they know you love them the learning will happen automatically and at very high levels because they'll know that somebody has their back and somebody loves and cares for them and it's not that it'll cause it because it's not that transactional of a space but they will respond in that this space to be to be better and better for each other because i actually designed the classroom management model uh, from a lean teaching program stuff that they had to be caring for each other in the space. It couldn't be the teacher as the authoritarian forcing the care because, well, you know, let's face it, anybody, even us, if we're told what to do, the first response is, don't tell me what to do. Daniel Pink is so right. It, you know, we like our autonomy our and to do our mastery and have our purpose. Um, so in that same vein with the high school students, it was, this is your classroom. You are each other's in this classroom, and it was a total exercise. Kind of like love as a <laughs> love as a business strategy was kind of like, well, let's try it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this was the same thing in the classroom. You know, will you guys make a place to belong for each other? And yeah, it meant the first three weeks was me shepherding and hounding and and really reinviting somebody into that space. And there were those that naturally gravitated to it. They wanted to make it a better place for each other. So those people became kind of like the the emissaries, the shepherds of the, the sub shepherds in the space. And then the goal wasn't to keep track of everybody in that. It was if somebody was falling away from 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 the space that they were then Called back in and brought brought back in to to be part of the tribe again, and it was wonderful. Um, it I had a class of forty five students that self managed because they took care of each other and they aspired uh, in a place where they could go to an edge where if they were alone, you just walk away from the edge. But because they were had somebody still with them um, and pushing them. And they were learning uh, NURBS uh, CAD/CAM software plus uh, Dreamweaver design software for creating websites and commerce and stuff. Um, it was the coolest thing, but it really had everything to do with if they know you love them, they will learn and just flourish. And so that's what I that's what I worked to create, and and that that's what I took even into business about creating a space where people really belong. Mm
1: yeah I love that and belonging has a, a through line for you from five-year-old to high school teacher to today. So I guess can you define in the simplest way possible what
0: belonging means now for you oh the, <laughs> well you just threw me on my soapbox <laughs> um, no so, most, the most common uses and definitions of lying are a are one-way uh, path of feeling, feeling affirmed. Uh, you can be your authentic self, and all this kind of stuff. And and I, I that's a feeling of it, and that can be an affirmate, an affirming space. But I, I, this is where I redefine it, and I actually say no, lying is this, and this is where the high performance shows up or even the best life for somebody where they, instead of going, "Eh, I got to go to work today because they're going to work because they belong, because they belong to their family. And in that space, now you've got a divided element. Now, if they can belong at work, then you get a whole different thing. Now, instead of having to have somebody watch their back, they're all watching each other's back and they go forward in that that requires a very simple doesn't mean it's super easy at times, but it's very simple. The highest performing people that they are living it all the way, they feel they own and they care for each other. And successes, dreams, and and very, very important failures. And, and this is where belonging is for people because they do it for somebody and that somebody does it for them. And so that's when belonging is actual. It's real at that point, as, as opposed to a sense.
1: So, so-, so can you, can I, can I ask you to expound on that a little bit? Because what I'm hearing is you're saying that when I feel a sense of belonging, or when there's these feelings of belonging, you're saying there's a, a, a tangible gap Between that and actual belonging,
0: absolutely. And so, so for example, you could be in a place where somebody's given, you know, Jeff's the coolest guy on earth and everything else, and you know, Jeff gets to express himself. And in that same space, you can have all that, and even be told you have value. And look, what just happened to thousands and thousands of employees? They got all that stuff. They were they get a sense of belonging and they just got jettisoned. And now you find out that a sense of belonging isn't belonging, no matter, and, and precisely the thing is, you can have all those things and still go, I don't belong. And because this is where belonging is also a choice. Feelings is a passive space. It's almost like you're a victim to whether it is or it isn't. Belonging though, and that's why I started out with, you feel, own, and care for somebody, and not so that. So that would be the transactional and we, and we know when it's a transaction, we're like, yeah, what do you want? And then we know when somebody's like, I I like you, I want to hang out with you. Um, and we get that, and then it goes back and forth, and that's when belonging is actually happening. And it, and it's just it's a dynamic that's always happening, mirror neurons, the, the the chemical changes between us are happening in real time to create this actual different space. The space where it says, it's not like attachment theory. This is real. This is like, no, I'm I'm not going to let you down. What that might mean is I might now learn something that I didn't know to make sure that I have you in a situation. And, and, and this is where the, the my comes into place. Feel, own, and care. Um, you're not a Jeff Ma. You're my Jeff Ma. And so there's this whole shift that comes in the belonging that has these three aspects. And if we were to break down the, you know, the, the psychosocial terms, it's empathy, accountability for somebody because you're taking ownership in that space of them and compassion care for, I mean, empathy, if, in, if those three things, and this is why I'd limit it to just those three things, because it's kind of simply what happens for us we feel for somebody, we we take them as ours, not as a possession, but as in they're ours. And this is why we even say things like my spouse, my wife, my husband, uh, my friend, my dog that just barked a little while ago. We don't say a dog because we take that and that's a part of belonging and then we care for, because that's what we do when we belong. We, we unite. Um, the outcome is we unite and fight instead of get stuck in a group fight-flight. Um, and that's that's a whole different model. And, and then this is where you get Navy SEALs and the level that they will go through to become the best at whatever they need to be for their team. Or um, I also like the, the, the U.S. Women's uh, uh, World Cup soccer team. Mm-hmm. Um, they had all sorts of crazy... Uh, in failure also in the process to winning the world cup and they took care of each other in that failure and then and, in and, and that meant that people adhered into that space of feeling owning and caring for each other and how it was defined by how the core values of the team would be lived and the stories of what that would look like and if you violate it and you kept leaving that space and would put the tribe at risk well then you couldn't belong and it's it's like everything we say and like there's a um, there's a point in, one of your, in in your guys's book where the walls out we have the inside the walls of software well that's because the belonging of software was also a boundary it's a place to invite into a place of incredible love and space but it's the software way to belong so so to go back to it to make it simple (laughs) um belonging is feeling owning and caring for somebody in successes dreams and failures and they do the same for you and what ends up happening is in a company tribe getting high performance is your belonging and then believing in shared purpose together and you're figuring out ways to do it and get it done as opposed to being caught in a set of systems and processes that prescribe ways for you to be And cause this is where innovation comes from, uh, resilience for, you know, just let go of the rope and let me go. And it's like, Nope, I'm hanging on, I'm hanging on, you're getting a rope burn, but you won't let go of the person. And, and that's the space when you can craft that and set the environment that, that brings that about. I mean, it's, it's like the, the coolest feeling on earth and you go home and you're a better, um, a better husband, a better father, a better wife, spouse, uh, lover, everything comes, comes, comes into that play. Well, you're speaking my
1: language, I'm mm. fully bought in. Uh, 100% agree, I'm going to play the devil's advocate for the sake of the conversation. When you look at the average workplace, let's just say the corporate workplace today, what you just described, is in my opinion, from my experience, not seen very often, at least not in, in large scales, maybe in smaller individual relationships, mm-hmm. or maybe smaller teams, or maybe startups, entrepreneur situations. But once we get into this, this typical corporate workspace, people have a larger gap to get to what you just described, mm-hmm. because there's, what I heard from you was, there's a lot of investing in each other that has to happen in terms of emotionally uh, mentally and even physically investing time and energy into our relationships would you agree with that initial assessment <laughs> uh, that would be an understatement <laughs> okay so oh yeah for, from there my question is how do we how do we get there i know it's a it's a journey uh, as we all a line around why we're even having this conversation. There's a journey to be had, there's awareness and there's commitment to move down that path. Mm-hmm. But through heart-based leading and, and the things that you talk about, what is, you know, you don't have to lay out the entire journey, but what what are the steps? What's the tangible hurdles to overcome to get
0: to a place where that's possible? Mm. The hardest part of it is there's a whole economic system that's rewarding not love and belonging. Mm -hmm. And so it requires somebody to have a shift in their own internal story. And that person has to have, um, what's the word I want? Uh, They need to have... The ability to be into a power, to be in power and influence, to make that change in the face of the risk, because it, it it is a risk. I mean, when you look at a, a CEO, that um, might have the same awakening uh, that that Muhammad got had. And they want to do something. And then, but there's a board that's doing, that's providing the funding for their company that says, I want these results. I want them by now because this is my exit place and you're going to pay me. And the CEO has a choice and it's a lose lose choice. It's, I do this and I do what my conscience and my heart is really telling me to do, which is to make a loving place where I have, I have, I have the most elite team of, players who have each other's back. And that requires me to have a seven-year roadmap instead of a five. And if he sticks with it, they yank their funding. If he sticks with it, they might yank her as a CEO. Nope, you're out of here. Because... That's the stuff that happens in the system. So it really requires somebody to really have the guts to stand in the face of that. And we, we I mean, this, the system's been like this for at least 100 years. I mean, that's, it's Taylorist, it's science. It's where this is an unfortunate place where science actually kind of screwed things up. Uh, the science of creating a, an efficient business model. Uh, that removed humanity instead of, of the science that could have built into the brilliance of humans and high-level performance into the model. It was actually the opposite. It was how do we get to mediocre but re- but predictable performance? And uh, there was a devil in the details there, which meant we lost being human. Well, it was crafted in a day and age. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. We were,
1: when we were working assembly lines and people didn't have to do more than one thing at a time, so. The more efficient the better and today the problems we face require creativity and collaboration and we're still using the A- same abso-
0: absolutely but it's system. but the old model the overlay is there yeah. so but where um and i think this is where like even the software story is so 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 important we don't change our minds because of facts and details if that was the case we would have already a much more diverse uh, world. We would have way more women on boards and in senior leadership teams, mm-hmm. flat out. Just, I mean, the numbers don't lie, but the arguments don't change people. They never have. What does change people is when they hear story and the story gets shared to them and the story lands in space. And then they go from a belief to a misbelief. Meaning now they're like, oh, I could do this different. Once that comes to play, it's like, but how, like, how will they do this different and still survive? Wait a minute, they did it? Holy crap. I need I need to talk to them. I need to, I need to read, I need to listen. And then it moves into a new belief. And then we get a chance to decide what how we would live and those behaviors would, would reveal that new belief and accomplish it. And so I think it's going to be a long road to get this change and you can't force it. Um, it's to be just like, you know, Hey, you need to go do this the right way. And the person says, um, if I don't have my job, I can't feed my family. You're, you're not telling somebody to do something better and new or whatever. You're telling somebody to potentially let their family die. And so that's where we keep making mistake by saying, you know, you should do it this way, you're wrong and everything else. When it's like, no, it'd be more of the more, get into it and reveal it. And yeah, you are absolutely correct. This The system is stacked against it at this point. From an, but though we do have these examples, software is an example, um, Barry Waymiller, uh, every, you know, the Everybody Matters story. Um, uh, digital tutors um, with um, uh, Piyush Patel, is that right? Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it's now, um, I can't remember the name of the company who bought them, but he had the same, uh, aspect. Um, uh, oh, Rich Sheridan, um, with, uh, Menlo Innovations. Yep. We do have examples. And I think this is the case where sharing those examples, like, like I've already passed your guys' book a long time. I don't know how many people right now, because it's a story they need to have, because this is what will change the game. And it, and it won't. The world won't just flip on a dime i don't think there's there's too much power there but if we keep sharing the story that's where we get the change and then it's where, this is how we have, um, literally evangelize love as a as a business strategy mm-hmm. um and, and my thoughts would be this is how we become heart-based well
1: i'm sold But at the same time, I'm preaching preaching to the choir, keeping on on track with the devil's advocate uh, storyline here. It sounds like people not only have to have courage, like you mentioned, to do something outside of their comfort zone and put things at risk. But there's also an element of caring beyond the bottom line and for many people that's that's a different story right some people it's look i have a family to feed so no matter what i can't risk or sacrifice my position my my you know put to risk my progress in climbing this ladder and for other people it's a a matter of you know that privilege that you know i'm not in a position to shake things up or do something different Mm -hmm. there's just so many different storylines that get played out there's always a reason and we call it, at Love is a Business Strategy, we call it, uh, people need a case for change. People mm-hmm. need to find their own reason. It can't be, oh, I I want to be promoted, I want to be just right. business successful. It has to be some reason beyond yourself, beyond your immediate kind of capitalistic needs, something that makes you wanna be a better leader, something that makes you wanna make a difference, something that makes you wanna care mm-hmm. and put yourself out there and put your vulnerabilities kind of at stake you have to find that. In your experience for heart-based leading, what does that journey look like? How do you help folks? Is what do you call that? What how do you get them to that point and, and
0: how do you help them find it? So it's the that that point right there. And this is this is how I got really realized it was about belonging. So if if we really look at the human experience, there's three emotions that are always in play. And 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 that is we're always in fear, we're always in or out of belonging, and we're always in aspiration. I had a I had a CEO once go, yeah, they're just sitting around daydreaming. I says, no, they're not daydreaming. They're aspiring. They wish they were someplace else that they would really love being at. <laughs> and then the look I got was, you know, that that really irritated look. And I says, no, it's literally that's what it is. And like even in good really phenomenal belonging we move in in from our fear moves from a fear of to a fear for Mm. and and i'll get to where this change actually happens and especially even at a senior at a a, like at the ceo level we could go with like i would welcome talking to a board about this so that a board could get these stories and get the understanding so that the board would then react differently to the ceo i'm fine with that that it's a perfect use of time Mm -hmm. So, but it's in belonging, we make this different move. We go from like, if we were on some elite team and we were practicing, the most important thing for us to actually be in the highest position for performance would be to make sure that I loved you and you loved me and we were not gonna, because that meant I was taking care of your family and you were taking care of my family at the same time. Now we're shifting what would keep us from uh, and a non belonging space to be in one where we will then unite and fight for that because it's a fear for. Mm. And so if I'm working with a CEO, um, like one recently, even it was to, what do you want? What would actually work for you in the space to be able to show up, to invite that person to be at that better place as opposed to being in a space of, uh, discontent and judgment because you can still have the super high standard of that what you need for the tribe to keep going and to advance and grow, but you have to invite somebody in. And if they choose not to, they're probably choosing not to belong because every company has like software walls. Every company has a boundary. So if you invite people into that space, it, but they have to come to it from their own story. And this is, I think where the, conver- the conversion place and belonging happens because that's also a place of self belonging where you're going to care for yourself as a CEO just as you would for uh some of your senior leaders and then also then your mid tiers that ultimately they also then in that care will scale it out which is this was my classroom model by the way <laughs> to scale then to the people that touch all the people that are the extended tribe of your company which would be your clients so in that story once once some uh somebody in this in the leadership space the influence space because you don't have to be and that's why i love your was it called a crap umbrella <laughs> was that the term
1: that's a different word but yes it's, oh a different word okay <laughs> yes,
0: it's a different word but yes it's an umbrella that
1: that yes yeah, that, that shield raining down um, on it yeah
0: yeah <laughs> um you can do that space also and that becomes a place where everybody lands in that we are an elite team for each other first to go forward and once somebody can find that story in their space then they can reach back and scale in that level of vulnerability and so that's the process of getting somebody into that space mm-hmm. is to go and work in that story in their belonging and then find so that they can expand that belonging that's it's part of what i loved about the story and, and even how you all were intertwined in that same kind of experience of discovering how you guys would create your particular style of love as a business strategy.
1: Yeah, I um, love
0: that. Yeah, I love that
1: shift in the fear because fear is is pervasive in everything we talk about as well. And, and you
0: can't. We don't get to avoid it. We're designed not to fall off cliffs. Yeah, <laughs> but we're also designed to get as close to that cliff as possible so we can see the view. Mm-hmm. And and we we do that with somebody because we it's like i'm gonna go to the edge oh no you're not those are bad rocks okay just let me go closer and do you just make sure I, I if i'm gonna slip that you got me oh you're stupid but okay and we want to do that <laughs> stuff i'm a rock climber so it's kind of part perfect of analogy <laughs> um but yeah it's that it's that move and so we're always in, if so if you design and set to your your, your company, uh, ways to belong. So there's the ways to belong and the ways to get, I'll say crap done. I'll, I'll turn it down a little bit. (laughs) That's your culture. And the ways to belong are the codified space of, you know, to be soft way. This is us. We are soft way. This is the, this is the, the, the coat of arms we wear Mm -hmm. and everything else. Those ways become embraced and heralded. And we know that, oh, you just said that language? Are you Are you a software person? And it's yeah, I am. And then you share that. Well, that's the same. People will get that. But every CEO, for example, has to start in that space and not be shitting on themselves. If they can discover and go into that space, then they can share themselves in that space. And then they can create that culture. And maybe they can even do that in a way that if they style it with the the economic requirements for ROI, for whatever funding they might be getting, or they might even choose a different funding source. No, we don't like your funding. We're gonna to go to this one. We hear that this group out of San Francisco uh, has a very high people value. So we're gonna go talk to them and spend the next 12 months building a relationship with them to see if we're a good, a good group, we can belong and form a great company together. So, it, There's a a way.
1: This is a challenging, I guess, topic to help leaders really understand and grasp and definitely apply, uh, especially in this day and age. But I love the way you've positioned it. I love heart-based leading and how that really puts some shape around what that needs to look like and gives a different perspective of how to approach it. So. It's eye opening for me, and I appreciate the time you've taken today to come
0: share that with us. Uh, I, I'm I'm just excited to even have a space like this to share this kind of stuff, because um, I've I've had my fair share of you don't know what you're, th- you're talking about, you don't know what you're thinking. Um, and in fact, I even had uh, one uh, couple situations like you need to think less like a woman, um, oh. and oh yeah, it's that kind of stuff. Because look what we're talking about. We're talking about belonging, just like. You know what it was like to start talking about love as a business strategy. You end up with the same uh, concept. Oh, belonging is just the feely stuff. No, belonging is the space where you have the highest performing teams on earth, groups of people on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how we're designed. Just because the business world took a left turn uh, and missed on the, oh, yeah, this is what it means to be human thing. Uh, didn't make that turn even if everybody went that way for a time mm-hmm. the right turn
1: i always look people right in the eye and tell them these are not soft skills these are critical <laughs> skills yeah <laughs> they're like oh okay <laughs> you get a little eye roll and you're like oh you'll see
0: yeah so okay this is funny that you said so i this was a few, a few years ago um let's see if i don't need this feely stuff and uh and so i'm sitting there and so i start looking away as he's talking and he goes aren't we in this meeting together and i went oh so my paying attention and being present with you did matter and he was like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: i'm gonna use that i love it
0: oh it was funny <laughs> um and it was like and then what was interesting is later on we were talking he goes people have been walking into my office and he goes I've been an a-hole because I won't look up for my email. Uh, hmm. And, and like I said, this is the space where somebody, like, if I told you, this is what you should do, you'd be like, no, I'll figure it out for myself. Get away from me, jerk. If I'm sharing in story, because our mind is always in story, uh, and retelling of story. But if I share a story and if I give an experience, then all of a sudden, Oh, hmm. now we we just landed in misbelief. Like like um, I'm. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. Okay, I w- I want to know when you went from this is how we've been doing things to oh this is not how we should be doing things. I want to try it this way. That you went into that misbelief to new belief. When
1: was yours? Those are all different milestones, sir. I think oh, right. I think I think there's an element of it it, from the books timeline, from the beginning of that story, there's an inside part of me that already knew that this is Mm. not how we want to do things. So there's already a misbelief in what's going on. Now, I think the challenge many people have, and I did too, was how to connect that to what to believe in instead, Mm. and Mm -hmm. what to try. And those are two separate steps as well. Because there's a different time in that timeline where I was like, you know what? I want to believe in this. There's a level of commitment that just comes it comes after awareness and then understanding and then commitment and those are separate steps that take their own time as well where I'm like, you know what? I finally understand what it is that I want to want to make a difference through and that commitment's an extra step where I'm like, well, am I ready to make a change? Am I ready to do that? And then the last part of your question is like when did, you know, When did you decide to try? And that's a separate time because literally (laughs) I had to then decide, you know, these are the actual steps I want to take. And it's not, it's not on a calendar anywhere, but in my mind, these, this is this growth path that we try to help others through as well, because everyone's path will look different. Some people, some people talk to us and go home and turn their lives
0: upside down because they're like the light bulbs on and it just clicks and it makes sense. And it can't get turned. And this is that point of a misbelief. It can't get turned off now. Oh, well, we know that's not true Uh,
1: but but other people other people will will sit on this for two years and come back and say you know what it finally clicked when somebody said this to me it finally makes sense when i look back and i look at the trail of dead bodies behind me and i'm just like oh that's what happened and yeah every every and that's why i called it a case for change earlier because it's different for everybody it's a
0: personal case for change Mm -hmm. And, and, and okay so that's right there that's God, that's the answer for how change happens, even if we're looking at inside the system. S- somebody goes through and has all that same level of, oh, I know it and I know it, but I'm 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 almost there. And they just my experience is they need somebody and back to tie it to belonging to go with mm-hmm. and this um I, I like the haunted house model um i mean i might have mentioned it before and no, i'm just i'm just already connecting the dots I mean, I mean you're going you don't go into a haunted house alone but you will go with a best friend mm-hmm. and it'll scare the crap out of you and you will laugh your butt off would you go alone no but you'll dang go you'll go with a friend yeah and and, and that's it is that same thing so maybe we actually just need to create a, a much a much more open invitation for people to belong which which is hard because we don't we all have to belong but we don't all belong with everybody mm. but we do have to belong because that's how we're wired yeah
1: and the and, way we the way we approach that is we we strive to make tangible efforts in the environment that we create, knowing that not everyone can always belong in every context, mm. but setting the standard that at least sets the expectations that we will strive to do so.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Be- because while you cannot, in my opinion, create a perfectly belonging organization, especially as you scale, you're always going to have difference. You're always going to have humans in the in the mix, which <laughs> will create conflict, will create feelings and assumptions and, and other things. It's very human. but. To us, the the goal isn't, oh, look at this utopia of belonging where everyone just is just always warm and fuzzy. But on the contrary, it's a place where I can come and say, Hey, hello, I don't feel like I belong. And right. and can somebody help me? And we'll we'll say, Oh, that wasn't our intent, but let's talk about it. Let's figure it out because we value that together.
0: So and absolutely and that's that's a that's a that's a brilliant point with this. Um there's boy I hate I hate even saying this ah the, belonging isn't permanent like uh, I'm not gonna cry I lost my dad last year at the end of the year we're all blind because it's human is temporary we're temporary here we're gonna go somewhere else I mean I I mean I've died before so I've been in a different place which is crazy but I've been away from the space where i was away from everybody i loved and i was in a great place don't get me wrong i, I was joyous ch- cheerful laughing i've got a little write up on in one of the stories but i knew i wasn't with i wasn't going to be with eliza eliza's my better half and and I, and i and i was like she's not here and we can we can we can't have a workplace where we spend Eight to ten hours a day, where we're not with people we love, mm-hmm. that's a, oh, that's that's like a living death. You're you're slowly just dead, for two thousand. If we just do the minimum, two thousand eighty hours in a full time job a year, and it doesn't have to be that way. But that but to be in the place where you belong means, you're going to share what the values is the core values that matter most together. You won't be identical. You will have other values, but you just can't be, you can't have a core value that's against those values for that to actually work. Yeah. But and then there's also the belief you got to say, I love what we're doing here. We're changing the world. I'm doing the smallest thing. This is my role, but I know that person's life is better. And I mean, I had one one of my favorite stories from Fulcrum. Um, how much time do we have left? Negative ten minutes. Oh, right. negative ten. But, but it's okay.
1: There's no oh. rules.
0: Okay. Go for it. Okay. Um. So my my former company, we made uh, just because I'm boring as hell. Um, automated asset lifecycle management through mobile devices over the cellular infrastructure. <laughs> wow. <That's a> mouthful. <laughs> um. A, a, a really advanced, very simplistic way to do it, and make it work for, and then like Verizon, AT&T, uh, T-Mobile, they were all the clients, and, and now Airtel India. So, but made this product, and and I was up when we're talking. i was we'd do show and tells for the whole company, so that people would know each other's lives as well as what they were working on across the company, so they knew they were all contributing to making the same company keep going. And that's it, a beautiful way to do this, and it was. The whole company stops for 15 to 20 minutes, sometimes a half hour, and we just show and tell and celebrate. And I remember sitting there and I was listening to the, uh, the developers talk and I said, so I'm gonna ask, I said, I'm gonna ask you guys this. I was just in Home Depot and I watched a guy use one of the devices that we use and they were able to keep track of everything that was in that store inventory and find it for people instead of getting frustrated and hating their life. I said, I want to ask you to think about you're not making a software product. You're making somebody's life better. You're saving people's marriages and permanent relationships and so on. I says, this guy just, when I said, can you help me find this? He says, oh yeah. Oh, I got this new thing on my phone. I can take you right to where it is. And the joy on his face was a state of relief from software development of what he had before that didn't work at all and so i asked i asked that that my development group in that company can you think this way you are saving marriages and lives because everybody gets happier everybody prospers better and so on if you're going that direction so and I'm i'm like please just let this stick somewhere and i found out later that one of the top uh, developer architects went to the the support space and the CFO and said, who can I talk to, to find out where I can get these stories from people so I can really know how our software is changing people's lives. And I was like, yes, that's it right there. That's the space where people are extending their belonging internally Mm -hmm. as, as the Fulcrum tribe to now having the belonging include not just this the CEO or making the decision to use our software, but the, the person, the software sits in the hands in the middle of somewhere in the United States at a cell tower and is able to actually do the job without the frustration and make their life easier because they're going to go home. They're going to be a better father, mother, son, daughter, um. Uh, you know, they, whatever you want, whatever language you would like to use in that space, that's what will happen. And it was just one of those things where I was just like, it was so cool. And that, and he went through the effort to go and find and seek it out. He didn't have to be told that it wasn't there. And that's that, that's the belonging space. Yeah. That we choose for each other. And that's why I always, I put it, it's more of a give, get, than a get, give the, do you feel it? Then we get higher engagement. That's a get, give Belonging is give, get, and the neurobiology is really cool about that, but I won't go into that space right now. But that's the place where, where we know that because we don't, like if something goes wrong and, and if I drop the ball or you drop the ball and we're in, this, we're in a pursuit of something, we don't go blah, blah, blah. We're like, oh, man, you dropped the ball. What do we need to have this not happen again? Or dang, it's okay. Get back up. We're going to get through this and we 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 proactively hit things in a space that would be we would normally be reactive in the current standard model of business
1: mm-hmm. and everything you described is is really a great perspective and a summation of why both of us really do what we do we call it bringing humanity back to the workplace but for the very reasons that you just described it because it affects lives it affects how we show up in our lives how we how much we enjoy these these thousands of hours we pour into work is such a big part of our life. I mean, what are we working for if not for our own happiness, our own health, our own families and things like that? So right. you, you you summed up a great perspective. Another way to look at that and how belonging is at the helm of really purpose and a purpose driven kind of resilience in our in our in our work. And I and I I love it. I really and I, and I have a lot more questions, actually. So maybe we'll get you back on the show to keep diving into this. But for now, I just want to thank you for the time you've spent and the conversation we had today is is amazing. Thank you so much. Ah, Thank you. Um, What a joy, man. Thanks. Yeah, and I hope the listeners enjoyed this as well. Thank you to the listeners who have tuned in this week. We have a new episode out every week for you with a new guest. And if you haven't checked out the book already, please do. Love is a Business Strategy. Um, Don't forget to leave a review for the book, for the podcast, subscribe, rate, tell a friend, all that good stuff because uh, we enjoy doing, I enjoy doing this. I hope everybody enjoys what they get out of this as well, especially from Paul today, who's just given just just some wisdom bombs for all of us. So thank you so much, Paul, once again, and thanks to the listeners. We'll see everybody next week.